welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Matthew chapter 4, we touched on this a little bit. And uh, I just want to go deeper in it because um, there's some things that I want to talk about that, that happens when you fast. And that happen um, at the beginning. Everybody say, at the beginning. At the beginning. At the beginning is always a good place to start, isn't it? Start at the beginning. If you want to talk about something, start at the beginning. Um, so Matthew chapter 4 is the beginning of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And uh, why don't you stand up with me? And while you stand, I'm going to back up and I'm going to read into chapter 3. And I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. There's that word obedience again. So John agreed to baptize him. After the baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Father, we thank you for our time tonight together. God, I ask first and foremost that you put your words in my heart and my mouth, that you give me your thoughts. Let me communicate accurately and effectively what you want spoken tonight. And Father, I thank you that these words go out and, and they're sown into good ground. Father, we thank you for open ears, open eyes, and open hearts to receive your word so that we leave this place transformed and changed. Father, speak a word in season to us tonight. We love you, Jesus, and we give you all the glory. In your name we all pray. We all said amen. amen. I'm going to keep reading for a little bit here. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That's an interesting thought. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. That's why he was led by the Spirit, to go through some tests, to go through some trials, to go through some things and come through on the other side. And listen, if, if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus into the desert to be tested, to be tempted, to have to work through things, then you can sure as shooting better believe that you're going to have to go through some things yourself. Don't try and shortcut the process of what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. Don't try and get out of what God is trying to do, of what God is wanting to work in you. It's through the process. It's in the process when God is able to work, when you have to work through hard things, when you have to work through hard situations, when you've got to deal with tough relationships, when things aren't looking the way that you'd really like them to look and you've got to figure out how to get through the other side, 
That's when the character of God is formed on the inside of you. When you don't understand why you're not healed. When you don't understand why your money doesn't have enough bank account, but you're paying your tithe and you're giving to God and you're trusting. When you don't understand why your family doesn't act the way you think they should act. When you don't understand why your marriage ain't working the way that you think it should. You're doing everything you think is right. You think you're saying all the right things, but the person you're married to just ain't hearing what you're saying. You don't get it. You don't understand. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. You all have perfect marriages. You all know how exactly how to talk to your spouses, don't you? Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and take some notes from all of you then. You can talk about marriage. Anyways, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I want to point out this fact to you real quick. This is the beginning, like I said, of the earthly ministry of Jesus. This is where he's getting ready to start everything. And the very first thing that he is called to do is he goes out and goes on a fast. He goes on a fast. There are things in your life. Think about that time when, when that man and the disciples came to Jesus and they couldn't cast the demon out of the boy. And, and they said, why can't we cast this demon out of this guy? And Jesus said... This kind doesn't come out but by... Hmm. I don't think some of you are sure about that. What Jesus said was, this kind, this situation you're dealing with right here, this work of the enemy right here that you're faced with, that you're dealing with, this kind doesn't come out without prayer and fasting. I want to tell you tonight, right here, right now, write it down, lock it in your brain for the rest of your life. There's some things that you're not going to be able to get through victoriously to the other side without prayer and fasting. So if you're not fasting, if you're not in our fast right now, I encourage you, get in a fast. Begin to release some things from your life. Begin to let go of some things in your life. Say, God, I'm giving this to you because I desire to see you work in my life. I desire to see you move in my life. I want to hear your voice. I don't seem to be able to hear you right now in my life, Lord, and I want to hear you. So I'm going to let go of these things. I'm going to remove this from my life so that I can hear what you're saying. You all up in here? Is everybody alive in this room? Well, let's keep going then. So, 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted, and surprise, surprise, the Bible says Jesus became very hungry. After not eating for 40 days, he was really hungry. Verse 3 says this, During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I want to give you three points. We're going to look through about eight verses, nine verses. We're going to look at these things. I want to give you three points points out of here about the works of the enemy about the attack of the enemy because i want you to know these things i want you to be aware of these things when you begin to pull away and you begin to fast that you can see and pay attention and watch for the enemy at work in your life for him trying to find ways to slither in the back door to try and trick you to try and tempt you to try and set you up to fall has anybody this first week has anybody had any kind of altercations in their life where things didn't work out the way that you thought or you begin to have like crazy fights or things don't work and you're like what's happening oh okay well i have <laughs> when you begin to pull away 
the enemy doesn't want you to seek the Lord. And so he begins to bring things to you that will try and stop you, that will try and get you to quit. And it says here, the first thing I want you to see is that during the time the devil came, during what time? During the 40 days of fasting when Jesus was very hungry. The first thing I want to tell you is this, is attacks come in the low places. The devil, the, the, hang on a second, let me show you something here. Um, in my translation, it uses the word, it says, the devil. But the actual word in the Greek is the tempter. The tempter. And the tempter comes with what? Temptations. That's what the tempter has. We're not talking about temptation cat treats. Mm, yum, 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 yum. So yummy. Temptations. No. We're talking about things that will destroy your life. Things that will get inside of you and ruin families and ruin relationships and ruin destiny and ruin identity and ruin purpose. Listen, the devil is not a guy that fights fair. He's not a fair fighter. He's a dirty fighter. You know, and lots of times, well, if, you're, if you're fighting with someone who's honorable, because I have this problem all the time. I get in fights with honorable people. And, I, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, but, you know, people who are honorable, they'll give you a chance to get out of things. Sometimes they'll give you, like, a, a little warning, like, hey, you should stop. Otherwise, if you don't stop, this is going to go bad. We're going we're gonna to have some words. We might get in a fight. This is going to look bad, so you should stop. Sometimes you'll... Throw like a, a warning shot across the bow. Just let them know that you're serious. The devil doesn't fight like that. In fact, when the devil comes, the devil comes to what? John 10 says he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He's not looking for some honorable way to like hurt you and wing you and shoot you in the shoulder. And be like, ha ha, I got you, but don't worry, you're not dead. No, the devil wants to take you out. And he always comes when you're at your lowest. He's not going to wait for you like, to get on your battle armor and be like, hang on, Satan. I'm not ready to be tempted right now. i got to tie up my shoes because if I have to start running and my shoes aren't tied, they might fall off. And that's the time out, Satan. And he says, okay, I'll wait for you. Just tie your shoes up. I'm a good guy. The enemy is out to steal and to kill and to destroy you. And he comes when you are at your weakest, when you are at your lowest, whether you're ready or not. First Peter talks about how the devil is like a roaring lion walking around seeking who he may. Now, just so we're all on the same page, what does the word devour mean, Ella? Yeah, yeah, like if you devoured a pizza, it's gone. It's gone. It's destroyed. The enemy is out to destroy you. He's not out to just like hurt you a little bit. He's not out to like trick you or like give you a sore ankle so you can't play in the rest of the game. No, his mission is to take you out completely. He comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And his attacks are not on your best day. His attacks are when you're in your lowest. Ephesians 6, that's why it talks about putting on the armor of God. So that everywhere you go, you're ready and you're able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. I'm afraid that so many believers 
walk around with one shoe on. One shoe is like doesn't even have the other, the other shoe on. It's like they're barefoot. They've got like half, they got their helmet on backwards because they're cool like that. They don't have their, they have no idea what the sword of the truth is. They walk around and they have mm, Google. The Google sort of truth is what they have, and they want to tell the enemy to stop when something happens. Hang on. I, I know there's a scripture about it. I just don't know what it is. Let me Google it for a minute. What does Bible say about? The enemy's coming to steal and to kill and to destroy you, and he's going to come in the low places of your life. The second thing we see here, he says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him in verse 5 to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. And he says, again, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I just want to pause for a second and make sure you realize something. This is Satan quoting scripture to Jesus. Just so you're aware. He can come to you and try and convince you, like, hey, just doesn't the Bible say this? Isn't it okay then for you to do this? Why don't you jump off this highest peak? And jump off because the Bible says if you do, he's going to give his angels protection and charge over you so that you don't even dash your foot against the stone. That's the enemy talking to him. You need to be aware. Not every thought you think is from the Spirit of the Lord. And just because it's quoting scripture, I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had over the last two decades of my life where good Bible-believing Christians take scripture out of context and try and make it fit their personal belief or need or desire in that moment. Okay. Anyways, that was Satan talking there. He says, he will order his angels to protect you and they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responds, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. What I want to look at for just a couple minutes here is in this passage of scripture, at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he is sent into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and what are the temptations that he has to deal with? There are two questions. You've heard Pastor Jenny talk about this a lot. There's two questions that Jesus has to answer. The first one here is if you notice in both verse 3 and in verse 5 or 6, Satan says this phrase to him, if you are the Son of God. What is Satan attacking here? He's attacking Jesus' identity. He's attacking the very core at who Jesus is. Let's talk about this. If you're the son of God, are you the son of God? I don't know if you are. You're saying you're the son of God. Maybe you are. Maybe you, who knows? If you are, why don't you prove it to me and do this? 
if you really are the son of God, why don't you turn these loaves because you're so hungry into bread? If you are the son of God, why don't you jump off this high thing? Because if you are the son of God, then the Bible tells us that he'll give his angels charge over you. So prove it to me. Listen, during this time, what the enemy is going to try and test in your life is your identity. He will try and find ways. And like I said before, he doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight friendly. He's going to come and try and attack your very identity. And make you and cause you to question what you believe at your very core. Who you understand yourself to be in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. Don't bring my past to me. Old things have passed away. All things have been made brand new. I am the righteousness of God. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. He's going to come at you during this time and try and cause you to question and not understand your identity in Christ. He will find ways to tempt you at your very core of who you are, your very core beliefs, the things that you think you hold dearest. If you are the Son of God. And what I love here, when I was reading this and studying this, and I read to you chapter 3 and the baptism of Jesus on purpose, because it's so interesting to me that Jesus was just baptized a little over a month earlier than this account that we're reading about, right? Because he was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. The Bible tells us that immediately after he was baptized, he was sent from out, of the, out into the wilderness by the Spirit. So let's say 40-ish days earlier, Jesus was just baptized in the river. And what do we know from that? We know that as he came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And those were the words that Jesus heard as he went out into the wilderness. And then Satan shows up and begins to tempt him. And what is the first temptation that he brings to him? What is the first lie that Satan tries to bring to him? If you're God's son, when the last thing that Jesus heard was, you're my beloved son. Telling you what, guys, Satan is crafty. And he's going to come at you and try and hit you at your core. I don't know what beliefs you hold at your core. I don't know the things that you deal with in your identity. But I do want you to know that that is where Satan wants to strike. Because he wants to take you out of the game for good. And if he can get you to destroy your identity, if he can get you to question your identity, your core values, your core beliefs, then you are out of game, out of commission for good. And that's what he's after. He came to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and life abundantly. So he's attacking the identity of Jesus. How many times in your life has this happened to you when the Spirit of God speaks to you and says something to you? And you know it's God, right? Have you guys had those moments in your life when God speaks to you and you're like, this is, I'm, I'm calling you to do this, or I want you to go and 
over there and do this. I want you to be this person. I've called you, set you apart for such a time as this, and, and I want you to go, and I, these are the words that I want you to share, and I, I want you to go pray for that person. You, you know what I'm talking about? And then how many times, just on the heels of that, do you begin to hear other voices saying, well, is that really what he said? Is that really what you believe? Do you think you can really, remember, remember like two hours ago when you said this or when you did that or when you thought that or you went over there to that place and you partook in those things or remember that? Like, I don't think Jesus knew you did that. So he probably didn't mean it when he just said to you, the enemy's going to come. And he wants more than anything to take you out of the game. And this is what we see here. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm going to keep saying this my whole life probably. But what I really love about this story is that God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased before Jesus had accomplished anything. He was just his son at that point. And he hadn't gone to the cross and died for everybody he hadn't performed miracles. He hadn't, he hadn't brought great wisdom and teaching. He had just existed 30 years on the earth, probably following, Jesus, probably following the Lord. We know that he went to the temple. We knew that he grew in favor with wisdom and with uh, men. And, and, and up to that point, he didn't do all the things that we think about when we think about Jesus now. He was just the son of God. And that was enough. That was enough for God to say, you're my son. And I'm well pleased in you. So when the enemy comes to you and tries to attack you in your identity, when he tries to attack you at the things that the Spirit of God has said to you, but this is what I've called you to do. This is where I want you to go. This is who I want you to be. You just need to remind him what the Spirit of God said to you. Actually, no, this is what God said to me. Actually, no, this is what I believe. You can take your temptations and hit the road because in my core and see this is what we see here is that Jesus relied heavily Jesus knew what God had said about him and that formed his foundation for being able to withstand the temptation of his identity he goes on here verse number eight says next the devil took him to a peak of very high mountains and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Oh, we read this, didn't we? No, we didn't. All the kings of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. See now, Satan just gets right down to the crux of the matter about what he's really after all along. He's really after Jesus to worship him. And he says, I'll give, this is all mine. I can give it to whoever I want. And I'm going to give it to you if you would just bow down and worship me. What is this? <laughs> this is a temptation on his destiny, on his purpose, on the very reason why he came. And Satan comes offering Jesus a shortcut, a trick. Hey, I'll give this to you if you will just do this with me now. But attacks from the enemy come, like you see here. And he said, I'm going to give this all to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. These attacks come 
here and now to destroy your future. That's what Satan's after. He wants to take you out. He wants to destroy your future. He wants to stop you. So he comes to you in the present where you're at when you're going through things. And he brings temptations to you and he says, hey, how about this? How about instead of going through all this stuff, how about instead of having to go through the cross and lay your life down, how about instead of having to fight with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and have all this stuff that you got to go through, how about I just give it to you now and you get to the end? Let's, let's just shortcut it all. Just bow down and worship me and I'll give you everything that you're here to do. Not really, but he's trying to trick him. But what the enemy tries to get you to do is sacrifice the process, the things that you have to walk through, but that sacrifice ends up costing you your future. It ends up costing you what God has designed for you to go through. It's in that process when you are fully formed. Like James says, let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I think I'm combining two scriptures there. But anyways, the idea is, is perfect and complete is fully formed, where you're not missing anything. But that only comes when you walk through that process. That only comes when you endure as you walk step by step through the process, through the trials, through the temptations, you know, deal with all the things that you got to deal with. You walk through them one day at a time and you're trusting the Lord every step of the way saying, I'm going to put my trust in you. This looks terrible. This looks awful. And the devil comes and he says, hey, I got an easy way for you to get out. Just come over here with me. Just come do this. Let's sidestep all this stuff. Let's step over here. Let's go around it. And you'll, you'll end up over here. And it'll be easy. It'll be better. And it might look easy. And it might look better. But it's a facade. Listen, the devil can't create anything. All he can do is bring to you lies. Nice, shiny, apple-looking lies. Look at this delicious apple. Didn't the Lord really say, did he really say if you eat this apple, you'll die? Is that what he really said? Just have a bite. Just take a little bite. Take a bite of the apple. Yeah. Did he really tell you to fast that? Did he really tell you to give that up? I mean, it's really not that bad. It's not that bad. Yes, that's what he's after. He wants to stop you in your tracks so that you're not able to receive what God has for you. And I don't know about you, but I am not interested in living a boring, complacent Christianity where we come to church and this is it. Hey, this is great, but I know there's more. This is great, but I know that there's a city full of people that need the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. I know there's people that need to be set free, that are, that are sick, that are dying, that are lonely. There's more. So I'm willing to walk through the process trusting God to get me to the end zone so that I can be always called me to be. So when the devil comes and he tries to question or find a way around my destiny. Let's get you to the other side of this. Let's go around this. I'm not going to fall for it. He wants, he always hits you in the low places. He's always after your identity. And he's always trying to get you to destroy your destiny and your purpose. And if he can do those things in your life, if he can get you to question your identity, if he can destroy your destiny and your purpose, 
And what do you have left? Just a shell of an existence. Just counting down the days until you're done on this planet. And who wants to live life that way? Who wants to live life just existing? Just barely getting by? I I don't. So in our last few minutes here, a couple thoughts. The first one being, how do you how do you withstand an attack? And we see here, we see here that in every one of these temptations, what did Jesus do? Quoted the word. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you withstand an attack? Fill yourself up with the word of God. There's no escaping it. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's no escaping it. You're going to go through all kinds of terrible things. Jesus himself said, in this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to have trouble. It would be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But guess what? You're still going to have to go through it. And how are you going to get through it? By knowing the word of God. So that when you go through those scenarios and those circumstances, you can say, but this is what the truth is. This is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus said. And I know this because it's hidden in my heart. We've talked about this a lot. What does hidden in your heart mean? It means that it's tucked away deep down inside so that nobody, no circumstance, no situation can snatch it out of your heart. You got to hide God's word in your heart. The second thing you got to do is you got to find yourself in the word of God. If you look in the account of Luke at this same story, it goes on. Um, Jesus goes through these temptations. And in Luke it says, and this is an important note. It says, then Satan departed for a more opportune time. So when you make it through some trials in your life, you're not like, whoo, did it, nailed it, moving on. Yeah, you did, but guess what? Satan departed for a more opportune time, for another low spot in your life, when things are really dark and you're really struggling and you're really dealing with things. Guess who's going to pop up then? It's not a trick question. The enemy is going to pop up. And so when he pops up, you've got to find yourself in the Word of God. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus went through those things It says that Satan departed for a more opportune time. Jesus goes back to the city, goes to the temple, and he opens up the scroll and he begins to read in Luke chapter 4, quoting from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Uh, and then it says, he rolled up the stroll, handed it back to the tenant, sat down, kind of like an old school mic drop. And it says, everybody in the synagogue was looking at him intently. And Jesus says, this scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. You have to find yourself in the word of God. Just like Jesus. He opened that scroll. He read it. He came. He walked through those temptations. He came out. Luke also says he came out in the power of the Spirit. 
he goes into the temple, opens up the scroll, and he reads it, and he says, this is talking about me. You've got to have scriptures in your life that when life gets really bad, you could open up the Bible and say, this verse right here is talking about me and my life. It's not talking about Jen. It's not talking about Ella. It's not talking about Johnny and Cherokee or their new baby even. It's talking about me. And you've got to have those verses in your life. You've got to find yourself in the Word of God. So as you go through those, as you're staring the enemy in the face, you can say, yeah, but here is what the Bible says about me. And my identity is formed right here on this verse. This is where I'm standing. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I will not move off of this truth found in the Word of God. This is me. Fill yourself up with the word of God. Find yourself in the word of God so that when temptation comes, you know what he says about you. Not what somebody else says about you. Not what your grandma and grandpa say about you. Not what your mom and dad say about you. Not what your husband says about you. Not what your wife says about you. Not what your kids say about you. Not what your favorite teacher from grade two in a school at a different place says about you. You find what the Word of God says about you, and you find that Word, and you get it inside of your heart, and it gives it a home inside of you. And when the trouble comes, you open up your heart and say, well, there's that Word that's going to sustain me through this really bad set of situations. Stand up with me. Thank you, Mr. G. Father, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you that you always bring revelation, that you always bring understanding. God, I thank you that as we continue on through our fast, that you are showing us in our life the areas where we need to rely and trust on you. God, I pray and I ask right now in this place for, for people that have not found themselves in your word, that do not have a scripture to stand on, that could not say, this is what the word of God says to me about me. Father, I pray right now, and I just ask that you begin to show them what you think about them. Show them what you see them as. Show them what you created. Show them their destiny. Show them their purpose. Father, I thank you that you are beginning to reveal things throughout this fast as we pull away and as we seek your face, God. I just ask that you are beginning to open eyes and open hearts to the truth and the way that you see us, to the things that you've called us to do, to the people that you've called us to be, God, in you. Father, I thank you that you are continuing to do what only you can do, Jesus. You're a good God. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.